pause and then we can get started. Hello everybody and welcome back to Roar Lions Radio. This is your host for tonight, Nick Pollock, joined by my beautiful co-host, Matt Filipovitz. How you doing, Matt? Nick, I'm great. It's great to be back here on RLR Coast to Coast. It's been a while since we've chatted. What's going on with you? Nothing much. And yeah, kind of on that note, I know we kind of one of our goals this offseason was to be more consistent with the podcast, but you know, a national pandemic kind of throws a wrench into those plans, but you know, things for the most part over here have been good. Uh, it's not really getting too stir crazy yet, um, but there's probably still a lot of time to go on this thing, so we'll get there. We will indeed. I've been I've been taking a lot of walks outside, and it's very enjoyable for me to watch all the lizards just run around. It's very fun. That's true. That is that is a myth. Not that it's not that I didn't need another reason to love having a dog, but having a dog during this time gives me even more reason to be going outside and taking walks. So that's nice. Um, I do feel like shout a, out Blitz. Shout out Blitz. I do feel like a positive of this is since everyone obviously is working at home, barring uh, just a few a few careers. I I do feel like I am more easily able to kind of put like working out into my schedule every day, which is nice. Um, but other than that, I don't know. I've, I, I personally feel like I've been less productive, but you know who hasn't been less productive? Penn State who? on the recruiting trail. Ayo. How you like that transition there? Penn well State, done. Penn State recruiting had a huge week this past week, picking up four commitments. We're going to talk about those four kids. Uh, uh three of huge, like 16 hours. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. It was the, the, what the last 16 hours had three of them. Yeah. Cause the the one was let's see when was Reed Reed was like Monday or Tuesday right No, Reed would have been Thursday Wednesday he was the day before so like every, all the commits came in like like a twenty or like sixteen to twenty hour period oh okay interesting I thought he was a little earlier good to know um, okay so yeah let's talk about those guys because. What else is there to talk about right now? Uh, Jalen Reed, let's start with him. The first, kind of the one that kicked off this run here. He's a four-star safety out of uh, Detroit, Michigan. He goes to King High School, one of the most more storied programs in the state. He is uh, six foot 190. He is a four-star in both the composite and by 247 Sports' own rankings. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and read his evaluation here on 247 because why not, right? Yeah. Um, he's projected as a day three NFL pick. His uh, comparison is Antoine Bethea, a well-built prospect, but not quite as long or tall as other high on safety prospects. What stands out about him is his consistent ability to make plays. Can go into the box and is excellent in run support because he is smart, instinctive, and tough. Willing to put his nose in the action and take on blocks. Solid in man-to-man coverage, but instincts allow him to jump routes in zone. Can still improve his pure speed and man-to-man technique. Can project a lot of ways. Nickel or an overhang in certain situations, or sorry, certain systems seems most likely. If put in the right position, he will be extremely productive in college and have an opportunity to play a similar role beyond college because of his skill set. I think the thing that stands out to me from what I've seen and what I've read about him is that he seems like a really, really good partner to go with Enzo Jennings. What do you think? Yeah, I think for sure. I think Enzo is looked at as kind of a center field type, and Reed seems like the kind of guy who can really come up and play in the box. And Penn State's kind of always had one safety do one thing and the other one do the other. So I think he'd be a really, really fun complement. 
Uh, it's great for them to go into Michigan again and land another really solid safety. Uh, they did it again the next day. We'll talk about that later. But he seems like a really intriguing prospect who can kind of fill a lot of different roles. A- every defensive back is going to have a lot to learn about playing pass coverage. But if a guy is willing to to get his nose in there and help in the run game, that's a huge advantage, I think, for, for getting on the field early. So I think this is a really, really huge get. And and considering we're, we're really looking at a solid uptick, uh, a good swing of things right now coming up in the recruiting period, I think Reed, I guess Tangwall technically started this new this new wave off, but I think Reed is a really great building block for the defense. Yeah, I agree. That's that's kind of what he, what the impression is that I'm getting as well. He's a great building block because he he kind of like you said when you have a safety who can do the things that he likes to do, that that's the kind of player that can be the backbone of a defense. Like kind of like Marcus Allen was for so many years for Penn State. Um, those guys that aren't aren't afraid to come up and support the run, but also have the ability to drop back as well. That's just a really that's a really useful player to have, especially when you have, like you said, the more center field type prospect like Enzo Jennings. Um, and then I mean it, he won't be here at the same time as the. Lamont Wade or Jaquan Brisker, but those guys also kind of follow that model, and I think that's something that Penn State has been striving to have, is to be able to have, uh, really everybody in football has been striving to have that since Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor made it so effective with the Seahawks a few years ago. They, uh, teams love to have that one guy over the top and that one guy who can be the more more of the box-style safety-slash-linebacker hybrid. So I think this is a really good pickup for Penn State in that regard. And the great thing about landing a high ceiling safety like this is all of a sudden safety is a really deep position group. It seems like for a long time, safety was kind of the Achilles heel of the Penn State defense. But, you know, you're going to lose Brisker and Wade uh, this upcoming season. But you still have you have Jair Brown coming in, the Juco kid. You have Jonathan Sutherland, Trent Gordon, who made the move over there, Tyler Rudolph and then Enzo Jennings. And then you add in Wheatley and Reed now coming in in this class. They can really take their time, which is a huge luxury, I feel like a lot of guys didn't have. So he's coming in at a really great time to be the kind of player he is. And he's not the kind of guy where they have to, you know, worry about hindering his development. They have to rush him out there. They can really take their time and and he could be a really productive player. I think pretty early, you know, in in his collegiate career, whether that be, you know, he's probably not going to get the green light. That's, that's so far in advance to try to project that. But, you know, as a redshirt freshman, it's, it's easy to see him being able to kind of get some snaps in there, at least in, on a more regular basis than just blowouts. Absolutely. And then I think the other the other important part of this recruitment and commitment is the fact that he is a uh, King High School kid. I know something that we talk about a lot is how Franklin has really tried to emphasize, one, he, he tries to go and get good players, obviously. But two, he's worked really hard to get his foot, and his staff has worked really hard to get their foots in the door at these premier high school programs that... Penn State wasn't necessarily on the mind of much in the past. So that that's talking about uh, King in Michigan and uh, Cast Tech, which we'll talk about in a second. That's the, you know, the, sorry, I'm blanking on where uh, Wheatley went to school. Uh, that's Archbishop Spalding, so that's not a big one. But uh, those DeMatha Catholics in Maryland, the, um, the schools in Florida that he's got, the American Heritage in Florida that he's gotten his foot in the door at. So just in that regard, um, I mean, a couple of years ago, I think it would have been hard to imagine a kid like Reed not going to Michigan or Michigan State, right? So Also, Michigan State being a disaster right now definitely helps. <laughs> absolutely, yes. They 
they officially re-offered him, what, like a week before he committed? That was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Like, that, I, I don't know. I, again, Mel Tucker could be a great coach. We don't really know. I think this is going to end really poorly, especially in his first recruiting class. Yeah, they're not they're not set up to do not set up to do big things on or off the field this year. But you know, hey, we'll see, we'll see. Um, moving on to this was yesterday, right? Yeah, yesterday. Real um, quick, can I can I jump in here uh, yeah. about your point about getting in on those elite high schools? Oh yeah, please do. Penn State's really hit on a lot of these talent pipeline. They, they've really found a way to build relationships at a lot of schools that are going to be consistent. I don't know, outlets for, for top-level talent. And they, they've built them all around the country, and there's still one in Pennsylvania they need to find a way in on. And now that they've built them pretty much all over the country, you can focus a lot more attention now on building a pipeline to St. Joe's Prep in Philadelphia. Yeah. That's the one where you're losing kids in your state to Ohio State, to Michigan's, you know, to, to, to Georgia's. You're, you're missing out on so much talent in that area and, and Reed and then the King twins are, are great ambassadors for, for your program in the different part of the country. But now you have to shift your focus, I think, to building those relationships at probably one of the top programs in the state, uh, in your own state. Who was the last St. Joe? Was John Reed a St. Joe's kid? John Reed was indeed a St. Joe's kid. Okay. I think he might've been the last one, but, but I mean, just in this class alone, I believe, is it, is it McCord, the quarterback who's McCord, committed to Ohio McCord state, the five star, and then yeah. Marvin Harrison jr. But those are two dudes in your backyard that are, are committed to Ohio state right now. And for, cause for some reason, Penn state cannot find a way to get in there. So th- that's the next goal. I think this is great. And I think this is really going to lead to a lot more, you know, high level prospects for Penn state in the future. But now you can shift your focus over to Philadelphia and, and finding a way to break in there. Yeah, and it's, it, you know, all, all of these efforts are really just a result of the the previous staff, or two staffs ago, just not, not putting in as much time and effort on the recruiting trail as modern football requires. So there's, there's men, multiple years where, you know, Penn State just, they didn't work very hard to recruit. And that's not to say that they didn't still get high-level prospects, because they did, but it just The game was, has changed. Yeah, exactly. The game has changed both, I mean, in all regards, really. It just takes a lot more effort, and a lot of what the current staff is having to do is not only establish themselves in places, but they're needing to reestablish themselves in places that they were once established. So it's, you know, it as for as far as Penn State recruiting has come, there still is definitely work to be done. And like you said, it's one of the kind of the steps they still need to take is, finding ways to truly try to lock Pennsylvania back down. It's one of the things that Ohio is so locked down because Ohio recruiting, Ohio state recruiting never went anywhere. If you were a good football player in Ohio, if you want to play, like if they want you, then you're going to Ohio state. There are very few exceptions to that rule. Whereas Pennsylvania for a long time, that was not the case. And I know we're talking more about a Philly school here, but if you shift over to, if you shift over to the West side of the state in Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh area kids, I know the kind of the that area has not been super great for producing talent, at least in the last couple of years. There are some in this class that are pushing that back up again. But in that regard, they're as close to Columbus as they are to State College. So it, it's it takes an effort and it's going to take an effort on Penn State's part to lock lock the state back down. And it's not going to be it's not going to be an immediate process. But 
That's how it no, is. No, I don't know. It won't be, but I, I think the hardest part of, of Penn State getting back on the national recruiting level, we all want them to be at, I think that's done. It should be easy for this staff to find a way to lock up Pennsylvania. And I think that they're they're close. I don't know what it's going to take. I think bringing in a, a Pennsylvania guy to run the offense, you know, and, and a nice influx of young coaches, I think is going to be great. But I think you need to stabilize things a little bit on the coaching staff and then have your assistants really start to build these relationships. And I think that's going to go a long way. So maybe in two to three years, we can start seeing, you know, Penn State do to Pennsylvania what Ohio State does to Ohio. But that that's going to be at least a few years away. And speaking of the assistant coaches building those lasting relationships, let's talk about Terry Smith for, or not Terry Smith, excuse me. Let's talk about um, Tim Banks for a minute because the work that Tim Banks did to lock down Jalen Reed and the next two kids we're going to talk about in a second, um, he is a, Banks went to King, correct? I believe so, yes. Yeah. So the work he's done in Michigan to lock down, and not lock down, but to make those schools at least pseudo pipelines to Penn state in the last couple of years, they're really starting to pull kids out there with at least somewhat regularity now um, is excellent work. And we'll talk about the kid, the two kids next that were also a product of that. And those would be the King twins from cast tech, Kobe King and Kalen King. Uh, Kobe is a four star. Sorry. Sorry. Kobe, Kobe is, is a, a three. Kobe is a three star. Kobe is a three star inside linebacker. Basically is true of a middle linebacker. So you can find uh, six, Six foot and a half inch tall, 233. He is a, he's, it would probably take a pretty nice bump on 247 or Rivals uh, to get him up to a four star on the composite. So he'll probably stay as a three star, but still high three star, 8739. And then Kalen King is a four star cornerback. Obviously, they are twins. Uh, he is just barely a four-star, but he's pretty comfortably there, and he sounds like somebody who's also might uh, get a bump in the ratings as the year goes on, depending on you know, what football is actually allowed to be played in the fall. So the rankings may stay pretty static, actually, all things considered. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's any secret that Kalen is the big prize here. He was the, the more highly touted out of the two, and um, not to say that Kobe isn't a talented player in his own right, and Penn State definitely is in need of a kind of a true middle linebacker they've been prioritizing outside linebackers lately but Kalen is the Kalen's the big prize here and he's a really really good prospect I like his tape a lot yeah both Kobe and Kalen are, are great gets Kalen means more because he's a corner Penn State again we talked about it with safeties corners need to be better they, they need a better secondary so to go out there and to land a blue chip cornerback pure cornerback prospect is huge for them. So no disrespect to Kobe. I mean, Penn State is always going to go out there and be able to get really solid linebackers, if not terrific linebackers. But to go out there and to be able to land a four-star cornerback, you know, not even from your state, or, or you know, Michigan slowly becoming Penn State's more traditional recruiting ground. But to land him is a much bigger deal. And, and a guy we've seen, you know, four and high four-star kids be able to get on the field really early. You know, Keaton Ellis did it. Tariq Castro Fields did it. John Reed did it. Um, this is the kind of move Penn State can make where they can get a guy who can be on the field immediately, which is a huge, huge win for them. Yeah, I know we've talked about in the past, but cornerback is really the one position on the defense that Penn State has not been able to recruit true top-of-the-line studs with consistency. And... You know, I, I, for me, when I watch Brent Pry's defense, to me, that that's the missing piece. 
having cornerbacks that you can just put on the island and say, please, just lock this dude down, let everyone else take care of their job. To me, that's the thing that will take this defense from being very, very good to truly, truly elite. So hopefully hopefully Kalen can be one of the guys kind of leading that charge. Um, and they have a lot of good young guys in the pipeline to maybe finally make that transition. When you talk about Keaton Ellis and Marquise Wilson, um, maybe a guy like Joe Johnson in the current freshman class, or upcoming freshman class, excuse me. But you're right, having a blue, true blue chip cornerback, especially from out of state, that's a huge pull for this program. That's a big deal. And there's two signs to, to the to the coin I kind of just talked about. So I've been ta- I was talking about how usually four star cornerbacks get on the field early at Penn State. There's a lot of young talent ahead of him. If all if even some of those guys hit and are able to compete, they don't have to worry about rushing Kalen King onto the field, which I think can go such a long way for his development. So you know, there's two really great sides to this in that he could be ready to play. Or it could be kind of similar to what they did with Lance Dixon at linebacker. He probably could play, but we don't have to rush him. And I think that's going to pay off in the end. So this is just a really great get. And and I think a guy who can really produce for Penn State at a high level for for multiple seasons. And then flipping over to Kobe, uh, we talked about he's not not the more highly touted of the two. He's not the more highly touted of the two. But he plays an important role. He plays that true middle linebacker role. And that's something that Penn State always needs to have. They have recruited some absolutely bonkers outside linebacker talent. When you look at Micah Parsons, Jesse Lucetta, you look at Brandon Smith and Lance Dixon, you look at Curtis Jacobs, they are not short on skill at the linebacker position. And yet, with despite all that, you still have guys like Ellis Brooks. He's not the most talented guy in that group, but he's solid, and he knows what to do as a middle linebacker, which is why Ellis he, Brooks hive. <laughs> which is why he's likely going to be the starter and middle linebacker uh, whenever the next season is played. You need guys like Kobe King, guys who are just solid, have the ability to wrap up tacklers in the middle, maybe don't go out and make the explosive, huge, game-changing plays, but they make the plays that count between between the sticks. And considering, yeah, is- considering the talent that Penn State has, linebackers are not going to be staying here for four years. You need to continue to have guys ready to step up when guys like Micah Parsons bounce after three years, as they should. Oh, for for sure. And this isn't the kind of like twin brother situation where, you know, you offered both to land the one. Kobe King's a full on like power five football player. And I I really don't want anyone to get the idea that, you know, Kobe came along with with Kalen. Kobe probably could have earned an offer on his own. So I think to go out there. And to get that true middle linebacker, like you said, they have Ellis Brooks, but he's heading into his redshirt junior year. And then in this class, they got Tyler Elsden, who is going to be a pure middle linebacker. So by the time he gets onto campus, you know, you're going to have probably a redshirt freshman and a redshirt senior. So he's going to be able to provide a really great depth piece down the line. He's a really good player. I think it's going to take him a little bit more time to see the field just because it is such a talented linebacker room. But there's absolutely no reason that Kobe King can't make an impact, you know, at the bare minimum on special teams, if not become a starter before it's all said and done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a fun fact I just learned here is that the King twins are the first pair, first set of twins to commit to Penn State since 86. Who were the ones in 86? Uh, the Duffy twins. Oh, interesting. Yeah, um, I can't. You know. I I don't know how many pairs of, or how many sets of twins they've recruited. I know. Uh, let's see. It would 
probably would have been the class of like 2013 or 14, maybe 14 or 15 maybe. Uh, I know they did recruit the Dowell twins who ended up at Michigan State, if I remember correctly, Andrew and David Dowell. Um, I don't think they recruited them terribly hard, but still, that's a cool, that's a cool little fun fact. It is. Yeah, I never really thought about that. Uh, yeah. When's the last time we had brothers on the roster? It's been a while. Hmm. Not even twins, just brothers, frankly, because that used to be pretty common. Um, Not pretty common, but you know, compared to most other schools, I can't. Huh. I'm just trying to think back, just off the top of my head. That's a. Well, you're, well, you're uh, gonna have. Well, you're gonna have the Clifford brothers. Yeah, and then um, you're, you're about to have them. Was Was Christian Kuntz still on campus when Zach Kuntz got here? I don't think so. Let's see. Christian maybe Kuntz. no, because he well, he early enrolled. So maybe that spring, but he wouldn't have been a part of the roster at that point. Christian Kuntz was last. Looks like he was last on. Oh, oh, last on campus in 2011. Okay, so not close. The Fessler, um, the Fessler, um, Billy Fessler, and then Henry Fessler, the walk-ons. Maybe because oh, Billy Fessler. I've on never the heard the name. Now. I've never heard the name Henry Fessler before. So this is news oh, he was to on me. special teams. This is news to me. Um. Hmm. All right, let's hmm. let's keep anyway, this in mind and think about either it. Either there, there. It's been a while. Uh, the last the last name recruit to throw his name in the hat, uh, committing to Penn State this past week was Zakee Wheatley, a six two one eighty athlete out of Archbishop Spalding in Maryland. He is a four star in the composite. A just, he looks like he's nine. He looks like he's, he's nine. Six in two. He looks like he's nine. <laughs> Uh, just barely a, still a three-star on 247 Sports is rating. He's a three-star 88 overall. Um, from what I've read about him, he also seems like a prime candidate to kind of shoot up the rankings a bit. Um, he is somebody who could play either defensive back or wide receiver. I believe Penn State is looking at him as a wide receiver. Do you know? I believe they're looking at him as a safety, but here's the thing. Nobody knows that. Yeah. Because he he is a remarkably talented athlete. I have him right now in the, in the scholarship grid as projected as a safety. I would be stunned if that's where he finished his career, just because he, he can be such a talented wide receiver. And this safety class for Penn State could still get a lot better. So, but he he's just a flat out football player. You know, he, I think he's he could be kind of the skill position version of what Tyler Warren was for the twenty twenty one class. Yeah, absolutely. I know he's somebody that Maryland fans in particular are very upset that they did not land. They're always uh, upset. <laughs> this is true. They they live in a constant state of upset. So it's hard it's hard to make them happy. But yeah, he's he's a really interesting football player, and I like what you said about him being the Tyler Warren of the defense. Not not in not in the same Tyler Warrenny ways where he's just a huge dude who seems like he could do whatever he wants. But he's just extremely versatile. He can do basically anything you need to be able to do on the football field. Um, and I, I kind of I like that anecdote. He'll he might start as a safety, but he probably won't end there. I think that's a good a good way to kind of encapsulate what he is bringing to the table. Yeah, it's also not likely, but I mean he's six two one eighty. I mean, but we've seen Penn State go for some pretty big corners. I mean, this isn't that different from what Joey Porter Jr. is right now. Again, Joey Porter Jr. I also don't think one does Penn State career as a cornerback, but. It's not unrealistic to think, you know, maybe corner could be in his future, but just to land a four-star guy who is just straight up an athlete who can make an impact at basically three different positions, you know, and heading into his senior year, you already can kind of project him being just a flat-out useful football player. That's huge. So I think a really great win. Shout out Tyler Bowen. Um, He's the man. I I don't. He is, I think, Penn State's most important 
assistant coach. He, he's an absolute monster, and he's definitely not done with, with the kind of high-level talent he's going to bring in from that area in this class. Yeah, I think it's hard to kind of give an MVP out between Bowen and Jawan Sater. I think both are probably on equal footing. Um, I think Bowen has probably brought in more talent overall, but Sater also has done so much for Penn State in the state of Florida that I kind of get some bonus points there. Either that way, either way, Penn State is unbelievably lucky to have both of them on staff. Um, and I think Phil Troutwine's going to add his name right up, right up with those two pretty soon because he oh, big seems time. to be an excellent hire as well. Big time. So yeah, that sad, was sad. I didn't get to watch. Sad we don't have any stories about him coaching this spring. I would have liked to have heard know. about the style. I, he seems bummer. like the kind of guy who, like, in the he, he's you know what he seems like. I I bet that we're gonna see a video whenever they're allowed to practice again. We're gonna see a video of the lion's den, um, whatever the lion's den drill that they run. He's gonna hop yeah. in and play lineman. Oh, he for sure. He's going to grab a helmet and he's going to hop in and he's going to demolish people. I cannot wait for that video. Oh, man. I th- honestly, I, I, I don't think that this college football season is going to start on time. I think it would, I, at this point, I think it would probably be foolish to do so. I really, really hope they get to play at least some semblance of something close to a full season, though, because I'm really excited. I don't know if I've been this excited, as excited as I, I have been for a coaching staff let alone the players. I'm really excited for this coaching staff. The coaching staff is cool. Like everybody just seems cool, which is such yeah. a rarity in, in college football to not have an assistant coach who just seems like, like, like a scapegoat for a lot of your problems. Like they all seem like really good coaches. I'm also just fascinated. And I do, and to I do see... think, sorry, go ahead. I do think we're going to start the season on time, but I'm also not a doctor and I'm the eternal optimist. So who knows? I, I think one of the guys I'm most interested to see, too, is uh, Taylor Stubblefield. Just, I'm interest, interested to see what the receivers look like. Because I, I think Jared Parker was, I, I mean, clearly Jared Parker was better at teaching technique than um, past coaches we will not name at receiver. But Stubblefield, I mean, we, we talked about Stubblefield a lot a while back on the podcast. Just he's, he brings a unbelievable college pedigree to the position. One of the best college receivers of all time. I'm really interested to see what of his experiences and his kind of traits he's able to pass on to the players he coaches. Stability, man. That's all I'm asking for. We'll take baby yeah. steps. I just want him here. I just want him here next season too. Yeah, that it'd be great if a receivers coach could stay for just two years. That's all. Yeah, I'll take it at that. I do think the receiver is going to take a step forward. I, I think he's a talented dude who's just you know, kind of falling. And he, he just lands at really bizarre spots at really weird times. Like there's no reason Miami should have been that bad on offense last year. And, and I'm sure what if it wasn't his fault? He had dudes out there, multiple receivers catch over 40 balls, which as a Penn state fan to think about that just seems like it's made up. That can't possibly be real. So I think he's going to do a really good job. I, I think they're really going to miss out on this time, but it, it does sound like that the staff is still meeting with the players every day, uh, not every day, but at least with some semblance of, of regularity. So it's going to be weird, and it's going to take a little bit more time, I think, for things to get at a level where they can go out there and compete at the highest level. But I think he's a guy who can get him there. Yeah, I agree. I think kind of on that note, we've we've gone off we've gone off track here with recruiting, but that's fine because that was the last kid to talk about. I do think if if college football is pushed back to the spring, I think that really positively impacts Penn State because that's a lot of time for the team to learn. Um, 
Shiraka's scheme to learn from Stubblefield to learn from uh, Troutline, I think that would be. I think that would really behoove Penn State personally. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So that was our recruiting segment. Should we shift gears real quick and just have a quick overview of of what else we think could happen in 2021? Just quick little five minutes of who they're after, who might be next. You know, where we want to go from there. Sure. You want to start? Yeah, I'll start off. So I think we all agree that the next big prize, not next big prize, because we don't know when he's going to commit, but all eyes are now going to shift over to Phil Troutwine and five-star offensive tackle Nolan Rucci, uh, a Pennsylvania legacy. It looks like it's really coming down between pretty much Penn State and Clemson. And if that's a kid, they can go out there and land. Penn State's recruiting ranking, by the way, is already at uh, 14th nationally and number six in the Big Ten. It has dropped since yesterday, uh, just from some changes up above. Um, but they can really make some really major moves with Rucci and then a handful of other guys. You know, like Dante Thornton, a guy who was committed. Committed, what was he, after his freshman football season? Is that what it was? He, Yeah, he committed pretty early on. Yeah. Really early. Um, similar to kind of what Micah Parsons did. I, I, would, I think he has a good chance to come back around, be another high four-star kid. Um, Tristan Lee, a, a guy who's probably leaning Clemson right now, but you never know, another really high ceiling offensive tackle. Rocco Splindler out of Michigan. We've seen Penn State just make some really big moves in Michigan. So who knows what impact that can have and, and what it sounds like Spindler and, and um, not Tengwall, um, Troutwine have a really great relationship. So we could be, and then Derek Davis, uh, another safety who Penn State can go out there and land uh, in state would be another really big get. So it could be a really, really busy spring for Penn State without even having to really bring any kids on campus to, to, to make that closing argument. Yeah, I think some other some other interesting names to watch going forward, aside from the ones you mentioned. Um, it it does seem like they're not not terribly high on the list right now for Caleb Williams or Tony Grimes, which is unfortunate because I really wanted both of them, but that's fine. I'm not sad. Um, All five star prospects should come to my school. I think some really interesting names to watch. Um, Two in particular are Terrence Lewis and Donovan Edwards. Terrence Lewis is the five-star linebacker that you've read about on Roar Lions Roar. Um, he's actually made two different top six lists in the past couple months, and Penn State was on both of them. Granted, there were four schools that appeared on both of them, so it's not like they were the only holdover. Who were the, who were the two who changed? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, I don't off the top of my head. Uh, I know Florida was in the first one because I believe he was initially committed to Florida, and then Florida was on his first cut down, and they weren't on the second one. Ah, a reverse Derek Wingo, maybe. Yeah, and then... Uh, I don't remember the other one. I know, I believe Tennessee was on both, Texas A&M was on both, and Penn State was on both. I don't remember who the other one was. But I think this this is just another prime example of how valuable Juwan Sater is to Penn State, because there's no reason that this five-star linebacker from Florida would be looking at Penn State other than Sater. Uh, he comes from Shamanai Madonna Prep, which I believe is where John Dunmore came from, if I remember correctly. Uh, but he's a kid, I think if Penn State is able, if, if visits are uh, once again become permissible, whatever point that happens, I think if Penn State's able to get him on campus, uh, one way or the other, we'll know. Because if he, I think it's going to be pretty clear, like based on uh, interviews afterwards and his impressions, if he likes that visit, I would, I would start to feel pretty confident personally. And then the other name to watch, I think, going forward is Donovan Edwards, the four-star slash five-star, I think in some places, uh, running back out of Michigan, who Penn State has really surged into the running fork recently. 
Obviously, their top two targets, Evan Pryor and Trevion Henderson, both committed to Ohio State in the past month. And suddenly, Edwards is a pretty legitimate option for Penn State. So that'd be pretty neat if they were able to go out and still get one of the top five backs in the country after missing out on two of the other ones. Um, I think the other the other big name, not there's several other names to watch. I mean, I can just run down the list. Other guys to just keep mind of going forward, uh, Isaiah Johnson, cornerback, uh, Kel- Kelvin Gilliam, defensive end out of Virginia, um, Elliot Donald, the I believe the nephew of Aaron Donald, uh, defensive yes. end out of Central Catholic and Pitt. Pittsburgh. Um, you have Corey, Corey Kiner, running back in Cincinnati. Braylon Brown, wide receiver from Florida. Aaron Armitage from Blairstown, New Jersey, Blair Academy, which I believe is where Jason Owe went to school. Great name. You have Tyleek Williams from Stonewall Jackson in Virginia. Um, Jamari Budden. Actually, Jamari Budden could very well be the next commit, I think. He's an outside linebacker uh, from Belleville, Michigan. Um, guys like Yul Keith Brown, Christian Valu recently included Penn State on his top list. Give me more Canadians. Give me more Canadians on the roster. All of the Canadians. Every single one. Um, and I think the other... Who is... Oh, there's some... Oh, the other name that is most intriguing to me right now is Brock Bowers. The number three... Yeah, that came out of nowhere. Yeah. The number three tight end in the country um, from Napa, California. I don't think he has a single California school on his top list, if I remember correctly. Probably not. Which I mean, is interesting. What do those offenses do that, that that's based around the tight end? You know that that's that's such an SEC and Big Ten country thing to do. And I guess Oklahoma with with, yeah. with Calcutta. But on the I digress. on the two four seven kind of heat radar here. Not that this is anything to take as gospel at all but georgia and penn state both are both have the warmer tag you usually don't see warmer a lot you see warm and cold and when you see those you know it doesn't really mean that much but when you see warmer it usually means a little bit and it really sounds like he's somebody who's really looking to get away from the west coast for college and by all accounts he struck up a really nice relationship with tyler bowen man i don't know if if pat fryermuth goes off this year the way we expect him to I I think Brock Bowers becomes a really, really great possibility, and he'd be, not only would he continue the great tradition of tight ends named Bowers at Penn State, but his name is Brock Bowers. Like, it doesn't get any cooler than that. That's a solid one. I'll tell you what, Pat and Micah have, they're going to be dominant this year. They're both going to be fantastic, but man, are they going to be fantastic recruiting chips for Penn State? Because Pat's going to be unquestionably the best tight end in the country, and Micah's probably the best defensive player in the country. So think about how much attention Chase Young got last year, and then picture that, but it's Micah and Penn State. People are going to see that, and high-level linebackers and high-level players in general are going to be like, wow, Like, look at all the attention I can get if I go play at Penn State. Like, that's a realistic option for me if I'm if I'm a high level player Penn State has to be one of the schools I really take a good look at so that'll be fun hopefully we get it we get a full uninterrupted season and get to see how that would shake out I don't remember are you an Eagles fan Uh, I don't really follow the NFL that much um if I were to say yeah probably so if I gave you the option of saying you can pick any team for Micah Parsons to be drafted to, but it can't be the Eagles, and then for me it can't be the Seahawks, where do you want to send them? Oh, man. I want to say, oh, Micah kicks so much ass. I want him to go to a big market where a lot of people can appreciate him. Um, oh, him on the Giants would be cool because he gets to still that rock. That was my the, thought. He gets to still rock. And, again, I'm not really an NFL fan, but it would be cool. 
um, to watch him and Saquon and hopefully KJ in a couple of weeks. I was the Giants. the Giants were my first thought. Um, one because I think the Giants should be at least slightly better this year, so they won't be quite as high up. And for as awesome as Micah is, I I just the NFL just isn't going to draft a linebacker that high. They're just not. If I disagree. If well, I mean, think about it. who was the best linebacker in the last couple of years? Probably Roquan Smith. I mean, Isaiah, as Isaiah Simmons said, are we counting him as a linebacker? Ah, uh, that doesn't count. He'll, that he'll doesn't go pretty count. high. That doesn't count. Cause he's, I, think, I think the top four picks in the 2021 draft are already decided. What order that's going to be is up to you. I think it's going to be Fields, Lawrence, Micah, and then uh, is it Penny Sewall, Sewall over in Oregon? Yeah, I don't, uh, Sewell, I don't know how you pronounce it, but he's, I think, he's I unquestionably think, one of the top players. I think those three are or those four are guaranteed in the top five of the 2021 draft. That's so that's so far away. But also, there's been no sports for like eight years. And I'm just thinking about this kind of stuff now. So take that for what you may. I yeah, I actually another another team that really intrigues me for Micah would be the Ravens. Baltimore is America's most underrated city, and and I love Baltimore so much. That'd be that'd be great. I I don't agree with that. I don't like Baltimore that much. But what I really I really like the idea of him just outdoing everything Ray Lewis ever did in Baltimore and just completely (laughs) replacing him in their lore. That would be awesome. That'd be amazing. (laughs) Where do you want to, what are your, where where would you hope to see uh, the guys in the current draft here in a couple weeks? Where do you hope to see them land? So gross mottos. I, I mean, it's, it's a Homer pick because I am a Seahawks fan. Oh, boo. I, I know, but hear me out. The Seahawks need like their number one need is defensive ends. It's edge rushers. And their pick is right in that range that Utah is expected to go. I think if the Titans don't take him, which, I, and to be clear, I think the Titans would be a cool spot too because you get to be playing on the same line as uh, Daquan Jones, which would be fun. They need to restock their uh, their Penn State exactly. alum defensive line with Cameron Wake and uh, Austin Johnson gone. Austin Johnson to the Giants, by the way. We haven't reported that mm-hmm. on the podcast. Um, I, I do think he'd be fun in Tennessee, but he... Honestly, he really is a good fit for what the Seahawks do draft-wise because the Seahawks love to draft players that maybe aren't fully developed yet, but they have really high ceilings. That definitely checks a box for Gross Matos. They need an edge rusher. That checks a box. They're in that range of picks. The only reason I think it – the main reason I think it won't happen is because the Seahawks also love to trade down, and they don't have that many picks in this draft, so I think it's probably pretty likely, unless there's a guy that – they expected to be gone like 15 picks earlier that's still on the board. I think it's probably pretty likely they trade down. But I've also seen some mock drafts where uh, Gross Matos hasn't gone until like the top of the second. So if he if he stays on the board that long, I think it'd be cool to see him go to the Giants. I've seen that mocked in a few places. Him with Sean Spencer again? That'd be yeah. fun. Yeah, him, also, Sean Spencer, and Austin Seahawks Johnson together. I hope the Seahawks use a first-round pick on Rashad Penny again. <laughs> that was amazing. No, they'll they'll use it on Jonathan Taylor this year. <laughs> that is true. Oh, I hope he goes in the first round. I watched um, I watched Big Ten Network last night, and I watched the replay of Iowa-Wisconsin. It doesn't matter what year it is. It's the same game every year. Um, but Jonathan That Taylor game's rules. actually never ended. It's just been yeah. one continuous game. Yeah, they just rotate out quarterbacks. All of a sudden, it was Ricky Stanzi, and then next thing you know, all of a sudden, was Ricky Stanzi Iowa? Am I getting that right? Yeah, he was. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, it was Nate Stanley. <laughs> with a uh, with a Jake Rudock in between. <laughs> and then uh, switching gears to KJ, where do you think KJ's going to end up? We talked about this, but no, I think Bill and I talked about this, not you. I think, so I think him, him going to Baltimore also, again, I know the second time we brought up Baltimore, but I think he'd be really fun with Baltimore. Uh, too small to pair with Marquise. 
Marquise Brown. Yeah, but Brown plays on the outside. They can they can put KJ in the slot because the Ravens also I, they have one less now that they traded Hayden Hurst, but they have Nick Boyle and they have Mark Andrews, so they have a lot of size on the interior. I think pairing KJ on the interior with one of those guys would be interesting, but I do think that that would be predicated on them. Um, I mean, I, they have Willie Sneed. I think he's he's kind of big. I don't know. Um, I've seen I, him. I, I have two hopes for him. I've seen him mock to the Packers a few times. I think that's relatively interesting. Yeah, that'd be fun. He'd be. I think he'd be really fun to to, to play with Aaron Rodgers there. Yeah, the only. Da- I mean, I I don't think Rodgers has that much time left personally. I think but there's no quarterback. I think there's, he's going I, downhill. I, I, I don't think Jordan Love's worth the first round pick, so I I can't imagine who the Packers would take then to go from there. So. Yeah, I, I I don't think who, who are you thinking for KJ? I have two options. I, I think he'd be fun on the again. I don't follow the NFL that closely. I think it's boring. No offense to any NFL fans out there. I think KJ would be fun on the Eagles, mostly because I him with Miles again. I think it would be really fun because it looks like they're really good friends. And can I, seen, I can I immediately retort that? Go. I think the Eagle the Eagles obviously last year struggled. Sorry if you can hear my dog lapping water in the background. He's apparently very thirsty. Um, Shout out Blitz. I think the, the Eagles receivers very publicly and notably struggled with drops last year. I love KJ. Drops are definitely still a bit of an issue for him. That's true. I think that would be... I mean, I mean, if they feel like they can get his hands to where they need to be, sure, but that would be in kind of an iffy pick in my eyes for them. Okay, if not, then put him on the Bears. Pair him with Allen Robinson. Two amazing Penn State receivers, originally from Michigan, just out there tearing it up with Nick Foles slash Mitch Trubisky. That would be cool. I hadn't thought of that, especially that'd, since I, that'd believe, be a fun one. I believe the Browns released Anthony Miller. The Bears, you mean? Or Yeah, the Bears released Anthony Miller, so he could really easily. That, ooh, I really like that. Mark it down. Second round. That's they don't have any first rounders, so mark that could very well be. All right, I'm going to keep that in mind. I like that one a lot. Okay, we're going to shift gears here, Matt. Cool. Let's we do are it. going to we're going to play a game. Oh, I'm excited. Have you ever um, explored the website What If Sports? I have not, but I'm intrigued by it. Okay, so I used to I used to go on this website a lot. It, it's a pretty cool website. Basically, you can. Do it for, let's see, MLB, NBA, NFL, NHL, NCAA football, or NCAA basketball. And you can pick basically any team in history um, to, a, to a degree. I think they do have a limit on how far back they go. But you can pick any teams in history um, in the same sport, obviously. You can't do like the 1970 Knicks against like the 1991 Patriots. You can't cross sports, obviously. The but 86 you... Mets can't face off <laughs> against 2019 LSU. No, but that's a, new, web... that's a new website we should start. <laughs> um, but, in our free time but you you pick two teams that you can choose whether it's at the home team stadium or the neutral field you can kind of create dream teams out of the program too i think although that probably co- yeah that costs money um you can choose the weather and then you can simulate a game and you can see the results so you and you can also if i know for football you can kind of like adjust the playbook like you can you could say that the offensive playbook is balanced, favor pass, favor run, West Coast heavy pass or heavy run. And you can, I think you can also edit the depth chart. Yeah, you can edit the depth chart as well. So it, it, get, it gets pretty in-depth if you want it to, it ha, depending on how far you want to do. So what um, you're saying is I could replay out the past two years, or I guess it would be 2016, 20, no, yeah, 2016, 2017, and 2018 with Tommy Stevens as a starter and see what happens? Absolutely, you can. Interesting. 
Yeah. So my question for you, or the game here, is that I'm going to let you choose a couple matchups that you want to see, and I'm going oh, to simulate yes. them out, and we're going to see what happens. Heck yes. So what you got? Can I can, can I do Penn State against Penn State? You can. Do you want it? Oh. Do you want 2019 Penn State against 2019 Penn State? Absolutely not. Okay. I have something so much better. All right, hit me. Give me 2014 Penn State. Uh, home team or away team? Um, make them the home team. Okay. Uh, let's see. Change away. All oh, right, you said home team, right? Yes, please. Okay, 2014. Yes. Clearly, I listened really closely to what you said. Yep. Well, we just we just also just did a rewatch of, of the 2014 team, so they're at the sure. top of my, my are there, mind. Are there any changes you want to make with the depth chart? No, leave it as is. Okay, 2014. Who's the starter right now? Is it Zwinak or is it Lynch? It is Lynch. Okay, um, leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. He probably got the most carries that year. Okay. And who do you want as the away team? 2004 Penn State. Six <laughs> four team. <laughs> I assume you don't want to make any changes to that. Absolutely not. All right. Um, do you want to adjust either playbooks or keep them both balanced? Um, oh, well, balance isn't the word to describe the 2004 <laughs> playbook. Um, what are the other options again? You can favor pass or run. You can go west. Favor, favor, favor run for 04. You could also go heavy run if you want to. Do you think 04 would have been, would that, should that probably be deemed heavy run? I, I don't know. Oh, we got we to <laughs> let's, let's go favor run. Okay, let's go favorite round. And then the 2014 team, do you want to go... No, that was probably about balance. Well, that was also the year where they never ran for the first, like, nine games of the season. So leave it at balance. It probably okay. balance itself out at the end. Do you want it at 2014 Penn State's Beaver Stadium or on a neutral field? Oh, man. Yeah, 2014. Oh, 2004 probably had the cool, like, cool end zones at that point, not the, not the ones we have now. Yeah, leave it as it. Yeah, 2014 home. Okay, and then do you want to change anything about the weather? You could make it... Light, medium, or heavy precipitation. You can change the temperature, or you could add. Can I go wind. with? Can I go with the most day college day I can imagine? Sure. Light, per, light precipitation. I almost said participation. <laughs> also, precipitation. also, also applicable. That that's for Pitt, though. Hey, <laughs> um, light precipitation, and let's go like forty-three degrees. I can do forty, or I can do increments of five. Oh, so I'll cowardly. do forty-five. Forty-five. Um, wind. Um, light, medium, heavy are the options, or not? Let's go light. Let's go a light breeze. It's just okay. annoying enough. All right, let's see. Can I guess? Can I guess the over under for for total score? <laughs> yes, yes. All right. Um, is it combined? Is it over thirty? No. Yes, yes. I knew this would happen. This is amazing. Okay. So it, All right. So combined. No, wait. Let me keep going. Okay. Was it like? Was the score like? Oh my god! So combined, it wasn't over thirty. I think this is going to be better if I just give you the score in summary All right. and some All right, stats. Go for it. Okay, go for it. here. I'll start by giving you the stats. Okay. Um, the t- 2004 got 12 first downs and 2014 got 16 first downs. Okay. Um, there were only two penalties in the game, both both by the 2014 team. Oh, cowardly! <clears throat> 2004 went six of 19 on third down, and <laughs> 2014 went three of 21. Oh, that actually checks out. <laughs> they also went. They also went one of two on fourth down. Nice, good for them. Um, two thousand four rushed for one hundred thirty six yards, three point five a carry. Twenty fourteen okay. rushed for ninety four yards, two yards a carry. Oh God. Um, twenty two thousand four had one hundred fifty two passing yards, and two twenty fourteen had one seventy one. 
Oh, man. There were three combined sacks, and there were five combined fumbles. Yes. And time of possession was about even. 2014 was ahead by five minutes on the clock. Okay. Um, Standout performers, you had Tony Hunt had 74 rushing yards. How many carries? uh, 21. Oh, God. Akeel Lynch had 17 carries for 63 yards. Oh, God, this is so sad. Uh, Terrell Golden led all receivers with two catches for 67 yards. Deshaun had seven catches for 61. I was going to say, please tell me two catches was the high, (laughs) and they just spread it out a bunch. That'd be hysterical. Um, Tyrone Smith? Do you remember a Tyrone Smith on the 2014 team? Wasn't he like a defensive lineman? Whoever he is, he had a sack. Maybe. Um, that does sound roughly familiar. And then on the, oh, That was before I got to college, though, so maybe not. On the 4 team, Paz and Dan Connor both had sacks. And then Calvin Lowry picked off three passes. And then oh, yes. Trevor Williams and Adrian Amos each picked off a pass. No fumbles in the rain. That's good <laughs> ball control. Oh, God. Robbie Gould missed field goals from 48, 41, and 43. How, how he became a really good <laughs> pro still blows my mind, because his numbers at Penn State are not great. And Sam Ficken missed from 41. Okay. No, that was, a, that was a fluke. Now let's go back. What? Keep going with your over-under for point. Now that you've kind of heard the box score. Oh, God. So, oh, my God. Over. There's no. They, oh, man. There for sure had to have been touchdowns. Over-under. Was it over 25? No. Oh, my God. No way. Is it 24? Was it 14-10? No. 20 no there's no way oh god is it better than 6-4 uh barely did they score 12 total points no is it is it lower yeah 10 yeah 10 on the dot what was the score 7-3 2004 penn state won 7-3 no way sam ficken kicked a field goal for 2014 penn state in the first quarter uh, 44 yards to lead 3 nothing, <laughs> And then in the second quarter, Tony Hunt had a 36-yard touchdown run. And that was the last score of the game. This is everything I hoped it would be and so much more. They won. They won 7-3 despite Robbie Gould missing three field goals. Oh my god, that's amazing. That Can worked we do out a... so much better than I ever could have hoped. Alright, we did one fun one. Can I do one that's going to make me mad? Absolutely. Let's do... 2016 Penn State. Uh, who's home? Who's away? Um, oh, who was the one seed in the playoff that year? Um, was it? Probably it was Alabama, Alabama because Ohio State was the four, weren't they? In 20, oh, that was it in 2014 in the first year. Oh, sorry, right. Um, 2016. Who won in 16? This is called the research department at WarLionsWar.com. If we go, all right. So last year was LSU. Year before that was Clemson. Hold on, I'm pulling it up. I think it was. Oh no, that was the Washington was the four seed. It was Alabama. Was it? It was number one. Yeah, this would have been the 2017 Cause, cause, college football playoff. Yeah, because Washington was the four seed because they got in over Penn State. Or didn't Ohio State get so? Or, it be Ohio, d- depending Ohio on State. depending on your opinion of who got in over who, Washington right. was the four. I know that. All right, so the, then they probably should have been. Well, the argument is always that they should have gotten in over Ohio State. Correct? It, no one really at this point. Yeah. No one really makes the argument that they should have gotten in over Washington. I, I still think it should have been over Washington, but that's just me. All right. Um, 
All right, let's go with that then. Let's have 2016 Penn State face off against 20, 2016 Alabama at a neutral sider. Okay, 2016 Penn State. 2016. I picked. I picked. A, I picked a great first match. I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> I'm so happy. I thought of that. 2016 Bama. 2016 Penn State. Neutral field. Um, probably don't need to change anything about the death charts. Do you want to change anything about the playbooks? Um, what's? Well, it's probably pretty balanced at that point. I'll leave it at balanced. Yeah, I would say Bama. Maybe I think would be favor run run heavy. Yeah. I'll yeah. Do, probably. We'll put them on would favor. The court, would this would this have been Blake Sims? Uh, this was Hurts. Was it Hurts? Oh, yeah, it would have been Hurts' freshman year, you're right. Yeah, this is Hurts, and the running backs were Damian Harris and Bo Scarborough. And mm. they had Calvin Ridley at receiver. Mm. Wow, um, neutral field. This is We're assuming this playoff matchup, so we'll say no precipitation, 70, and no wind. Yeah, probably indoors. Is All that right. an option? Can you put it in a dome? No, you can't. All mm. right, let's see. All right. Please wanna, don't be that bad. Do you want to make your... Do you want to hear the box score first? Yeah, give me the box score. Um. Okay. I'll Wait, say, actually, can I, can I make my first over-under prediction on yes, total points? Yes. Over 50? No. Wow, okay. Carry on. Um, Penn State had 15 first downs. Bama had 25. Yeah, checks out. Um, Penn State was 6 of 17 on third down. Bama was 8 of 17. Oh, that's about what they did this year. Penn State was 1 of 2 on fourth down. Penn State ran for 94 yards on 39 carries. Yep, that checks out to what would have happened. No, yeah. I'll say it's Saquon, so probably not. Bama ran for 213 on 56 carries. <laughs> so not not a huge discrepancy yards per carry-wise. It was 2.4 versus 3.8. Oh, God. Uh, Penn State threw for 270. Bama threw for 205. Yes, cowardly. Um, Penn State lost two fumbles. Bama fumbled once but didn't lose it. Oh, cowards. Um Bama led time of possession by nine, almost almost ten minutes, just barely nine nine fifty nine. That's because they probably scored so quickly. <laughs> Saquon went for sixty eight yards on twenty three carries. Uh, one off from a nice game. Trace was ten for twenty. Andre about- Robin Andre Robinson five for five and Mark Allen one for one. Throwing? Uh, all those were all rushing. Oh, um, five five carries for five yards. Yep. Yikes. Both, oh, and five of those were on one carry, so that's not good. <laughs> uh, Bo Scarborough, 12 rushes, 90 yards. Damian Harris, 14 for 72. Uh, Saquon led all receivers, three catches for 103 yards. Then Calvin Ridley had five for 72. Uh, Ardarius Stewart had five for 64. And then Gesicki had three for 59. Godwin, okay. only, Godwin only had three for 19. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Trace was 16 of 27 with 270. Hertz was 17 of 24 for 205. Wait, what? I thought you. T- I thought Trace was 10 for 20. Uh, that was rushing. 10 rushes. For oh, 20 okay, 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 okay. Um, defensively, Penn State got sacks from Manny Bowen, Ryan Buckles, Colin Castagna, Aaron Monroe, and Antoine White. Hell wow. yeah, Antoine White! Wow, nice. Uh, Tyler Davis missed from 48, and Adam Griffith, Griffith missed from 35 and 43. Mm, All right. reliable from inside of 40. All right. You want to keep going with your guesses? Um, I'm assuming Penn State lost. They did. Okay. They kept it within two scores, I would imagine. Um, they did. Okay. Final score. They didn't go over 50. Give me... Um, 
31-21. That's uh, over 50. Well, that's I'm an idiot. 50, Never mind. Yeah. Nope. No, yeah, I, after I said that, I'm like, you idiot. Um, 21-14? Not quite. It was oh. 27-13, Bama. Okay. All right. That's not bad. That's uh, respectable. First quarter, Bo Scarborough, 10-yard touchdown run. Tyler Davis, 47-yard field goal. Adam Griffith, 21-yard field goal. Second quarter, Tyler Davis, 38-yard field goal, so 10-6 at half. Third quarter, Bo Scarborough, 17-yard touchdown run, so 17-6. Fourth quarter, O.J. Howard, 2-yard touchdown pass, 24-6. Saquon, 90-yard touchdown pass from McSorley, 24-13. And then Griffith, 25-yard field goal, 27-13. Nice. All right, that's respectable. I'll take that. And that would be more points in the playoff scored than Michigan State and Ohio State in their last go-arounds. Correct. Who would have thought? All right, I'm going to make one now. Let's, All right, go for it. Let's go. Actually, no, here. I, li- I like driving this. You, you, you make one more, and then we'll call that, call that quits for today. Okay. Um, make one more. Um, hmm. All right, how about you pick? You pick the team. I'll pick the opponent. You pick the first team. I'll pick the opponent. We'll make it Okay. if you want to do that. Okay. Um, I want it that way. <laughs> I want 20, I want 2012 Penn State. Okay. I want the Bill O'Brien, the Bill okay. O'Brien team. Actually, uh, actually, no, I'm going to go with an idea that you had before. Okay. I'm going to take the 20... 17 Penn State team, but I'm going to edit the depth chart and put Tommy Stevens at quarterback. Okay. And do, you have, do you have anybody you want them to play? I think everything else is good. Yeah, everything else is good. Um, wait, did it save? No, Tommy Stevens. Okay, set lineup. Tommy okay. Cuddies. <clears throat> okay, so Tommy Stevens. Um, no, I want you to pick. Okay, do you, do you want it to be from that year, from 2017? Um, it could. I think we, not I think we, I think we have to, I think we have to for this exercise, though. That's fine, yeah. Um, Ohio State wasn't that bad. I'll go with Michigan State that year. Okay. Michigan 2017 State. 2017 at home against Spartans. Michigan State. <clears throat> and I'm putting, I'm putting Michigan State at home, but I'm going to put it at a neutral field. Okay. Um, let's see. So that's Lewerke, LJ right, actually, Scott. Actually, go, go Ohio State. Go Ohio State. I changed my mind. Go Ohio State. Okay. Because Penn State should have won that Michigan State game anyway. True. Mark D'Antonio's a wizard. I'm happy he's gone. Okay. Ohio State, 2017. So that's Barrett, Dobbins, Weber, Johnny Dixon, Benjamin Victor, Rashad Berry. Okay. Neutral field. Let's do no precipitation, but let's drop it down to 60. Let's do light wind. And then... Ooh, do I want to make Penn State favor the run? Get a little Tommy Stevens, Saquon Barkley rushing attack going? Ooh, that, that's probably what it would be. Okay, we'll favor the run. Yeah, because God, yeah, Godwin's gone. Wait, no, Godwin's still there. In 2017, Godwin's gone. Oh, yeah, yep, he's gone. Okay, so it's De- yeah, Deshaun, Jawan, and Gisicki. All right, play game. Interest. Oh, Wow. Okay. Hmm. I'm scared. Okay. All right. Box score. Or do you want to make a first guess? Um, of over of total over under. Of yeah. Scores. Yeah. The uh, total score was over thirty five. 
Yes, it was. Oh, wow. I was very bold guess on my part. Anyway, carry on. Okay. Uh, Penn State, 21 first downs. Ohio State, 23. Penn State was 7 of 19 on third down. Ohio State was 7 of 20. Okay. Ohio State was also 2 of 2 on fourth down. Ooh. Who would have been the running back? This would have been Dobbins? It's yeah, Dobbins. probably Dobbins. Yeah. Near. Dobbins and uh, Weber. Mm, um, Penn State was 49 carries for 133, and Ohio State was 55 carries for 153, so they were both under three yards a carry. Jesus. Penn State threw for 305. Ohio State threw for 229. Nice. Mr. 305, Tommy Stevens? There were no, no lost fumbles in this game, but Ohio State did fumble once. And time of possession was only a 30-second difference. Wow. That's pretty even. That's about what it was, pretty evenly matched in general. Yeah. Saquon went for 126 on 22 carries. And good day at the office. nothing else really mattered rushing-wise for them. Weber went 10 rushes for 74 yards, and Dobbins was 20 for 65. Nice. <clears throat> uh, Juwan Johnson led all receivers, three catches for 74. And then Gesicki was three for 72. Heck yeah. Johnny Dixon was four for 62. Deshaun was three for 50. Victor was three for 47 and everything else. Oh my God. Benjamin Victor was still there. <laughs> this oh is 17. God. I think he was, I don't think he was even a senior this year. This year? No, he wasn't. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. No. All oh, right. Cause he caught the screen pass in 2018. Oh God. <clears throat> um, interest. Hmm. Okay. This is interesting because what do you got, because I put Tommy as the starter, mm-hmm. but he only threw nine passes for 66 yards. And then Trace came in and went 12 of 17 for 239. <laughs> <laughs> so the coaches over, overrode my decision. Oh, man. Um, Barrett was 18 of 27 for 229. <clears throat> for sacks, Lamont had one. Apke had two. Patrician had one. Marcus Allen had one. Someone named Joe Dumond had one. Ellison, these, are all, these are all sacks. Yeah, Ellison They're Jordan had one. They're all from safeties. <laughs> um, and then Pete Warner, Chris Worley, Jashawn Cornell, and Robert Landers all had one for Ohio State. And Jan Johnson had a pick. Heck yeah. Um, Tyler Davis missed from 41 and 40, and Ooh. Sean Nuremberger missed from 49 and 54. Oh, what you're saying is he's super reliable from inside of 40, but this is from 45. Exactly. Uh, was that Nuremberger? Was that the kicker at that point? I don't... Actually, I don't think so. I think it was... I don't think, um, I don't think it was either. Uh, oh, man. Who was it? Uh, we'll remember it. Um, and Saquon also had 45 yards receiving. All right. Nice. Continue with your guessing. Penn State won. Penn State did win. Oh, this hurts my soul. <laughs> they, sc- they scored more than... What did I say? 50 points? You said 35 at first. Oh, more than, they score more than, they score more than 50? Total? Yeah. Yes. Oh, whoa. <clears throat> 35-31. Good guys. Extremely, extremely close. It was 34-31. Oh, nice. I, I'll take that. That's a good guess. <clears throat> okay. So Heck, here, that hurts my heart. Here it goes. First quarter, Benjamin mm-hmm. Victor, 23-yard touchdown. J.K. Dobbins, one-yard touchdown, 14-0. Okay. All right. Second, Second quarter. Second quarter. Saquon, one-yard touchdown, 14-17. Johnny Dixon, 21-yard touchdown, 21-7. DeAndre Tompkins, three-yard touchdown, 21-14 at half. Third quarter, Saquon, 30-yard touchdown reception, tied up, 21-all. Oh, he's so good. 
Fourth quarter, Tyler Davis, 35-yard field goal, 24-21. And then with 26 seconds left, Sean Nuremberger, 41-yard field goal to send it to overtime. Oh, what? 24-all, overtime. What do you think? Oh, my God. Could you imagine what Twitter would be like if this happened? Overtime number one, Trace McSorley, one-yard touchdown run, 31-24. He he don't miss. Johnny Dixon, 10-yard touchdown reception, 31-all. Double overtime. I wish I could get more detailed in this because double overtime, Tyler Davis, 39-yard field goal, game over, 34-31. Yes. Heck yeah, TD. Nice. That was fun. I wonder if – oh, there is a play-by-play. Okay, hold on. Can I – if I pull up the fourth quarter. Does Joe Buck call it? Overtime. Okay, yeah, I can pull up the overtime play-by-play. Let's see what happened in the second overtime. God, I love this website. I forgot about it. You know, the only reason I remembered it is because I had to pull up my old computer to get this recording to work, and I have it bookmarked on my old computer. Nice. This is excellent. Okay. My bookmarks are my Gmail and then a recipe for sausage mac and cheese. That's pretty good. If anybody wants to hit me up. <laughs> All right. Overtime two. Ohio State gets the ball first. <clears throat> first play, delay of game. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First and 15, uh, J.K. Dobbins, one-yard loss. Second and 16, Joe Dumond sacks Barrett for a three-yard loss. He, I, he had to have been like a walk-on or something. Third and 19, illegal motion penalty. <laughs> wow, this is like an actual like impressive simulation. They have all this stuff? Uh, third and 24, JT Barrett, two-yard scramble. And then on fourth and 22, they, Sean Nuremberger misses from 54 wide left. Can, wait, can we, can we build a 2020 roster in this? Um, no, it stops it. It only uses historical data, so it stops at 2019. Man, that'd be cool. That'd be a fun article series I would do. Um, and then Penn State's possession, Trace, one-yard run, second and nine, Trace, two-yard run, third and seven. Um, McSorley's pass is just out of reach of Juwan Johnson. Look at that detail. That's intense. Um, 2017 Penn State prepares for a field goal attempt. Davis's 39-yard field goal slips just inside the upright. Game over. Cash. Straight cash, homie. Wow. All right, so we're officially going to do this every episode from now on. Oh, yeah, for sure. For (laughs) sure. We're going to have to... Oh, if you have have suggestions of what you'd like to see, tweet them at us or PSU Matt 2005. Any of the two. Especially PSU Matt 2005. Yes, please do. Oh, man. All right. Well, we are going to reserve time to talk about community at the end of this because there's no football and why not talk about a great show? But we're almost out of yes, time here, you, so if, let's if, just do a quick if you're talk. Not, if you're not watching community while you're, uh, while you're working from home or in quarantine, highly recommend. Great show. Very yeah. funny. So we had never watched it before. My wife didn't really seem interested in watching it, so we had to wait until we literally had nothing left. But um, we finally watched it, and uh, you know, I already had a, an impression of community because... There was one clip I had seen a while. I knew it was going to be funny. One, because it just, you know, the people in it are really funny. And I had seen a clip a while, while back um, of one of the first couple episodes where the it's the, the cold opening where somebody walks in and says something racist. I don't remember what it is. And Joel McHale goes, uh, Pierce will beat that in one minute. And they continue their conversation. And then eventually Donald Glover turns to Yvette, Nicole Yvette Brown, Yvette Nicole Brown, whatever her name is. Um, turns to Shirley and says, you're not my mom. And Pierce goes, she's not. And then Joel McHale taps his watch. It's like 40 seconds. 
It was perfect. It's a, it's a great show. It's probably my favorite show of all time. The, fir- the first three seasons, I think, are some of the best TV out there. It's so good. I highly recommend if you want something funny to watch. It's I, a really great, just like mind-numbing show. You don't have to think at all. I think my favorite thing about it is that one, other than like the, like Abed, like just Abed's personality, like and like obviously, so it's so aware that it's a TV show and makes all those obvious jokes and does all those things. But I love that they also, aside from those types of obvious jokes, they take the obvious jokes that you're thinking while you're watching. I think the hardest I laughed while watching was when um, in season three, when the cop comes in and he talks about making his his uh, rock opera about a cop, and they all just look at each other for a second, and they all go, Copra! It absolutely <laughs> killed me, because it was so... Everybody in the world was thinking that when they saw that, but the execution of it was still so perfect. It's... Oh, it's so good. Who's your, do you have a favorite character? Who was your favorite... You're still working through it. Uh, yeah, I, we only have I probably like eight episodes, six, six to eight episodes left of the last season. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite character... It's got to be Troy. I, I I was thinking Troy, um, the way that the way that Britta's character just completely devolves over time is pretty funny to me. Yeah, it is a good one. Um, it's it's probably Troy. He he has yeah. some of the best jokes. Troy has Troy has some of the best lines ever, and him and Abed are such a great relationship. What a oh, it's such a good show. I'm so glad uh, too that I finally have the context for the him walking into the room with the pizzas and everything's on fire. Because oh yeah, I've seen I that gift. I've seen that gift forever, but I never I never knew the full context of it. And the second that that episode started and I realized what they were doing, I knew where it was leading to. I oh, knew that yeah. clip was coming. Absolutely iconic. What's it called? Um, I just got a, I. I watched it for the second time through and I got to the episode where um, they wanted to do the space simulation. But the only thing they got was a Winnebago that KFC had <laughs> with like a simulation in it. And he just uh, the dean over there might have been on the microphone goes, what's your location? And Troy just goes, it looks like we're about like three galaxies from the sun or whatever he says. But it is possible that, yep, it's a sticker. He just pulls like the little <laughs> map off the plastic thing. The best jokes are the ones you have to explain like that, but it's a good show. <laughs> Highly recommend. It, it it is fantastic. I I definitely will be. I definitely will watch it again. If if not the whole thing, at least the first three seasons again, because yeah. they're so good. They're so good. Season two is fantastic. <laughs> the paint the paintball episodes are just the paintball episodes and the hot lava episode are just brilliant too. As are pillow the pillow fort episodes too. Yes. Those are really fun. Did you know the first paintball episode uh, pretty much led to the Avengers as we know it? You know, I I knew so I knew that the the Russo brothers worked on Community beforehand because I know that they have they've put let's see, uh, Yvette Nicole I'm, Brown and and Ken Jong are both in Endgame. And then um, what's his what's Abed's real name? Danny Pudi. Yeah, he's in Winter Soldier. Really? Who is in Winter Soldier? He's just a random computer analyst oh. in uh, in Shield. because <clears throat> um, I know they they. They've, I think they've even put somebody else in one of them too, but it's not Joel McHale. Obviously, it's not like any yeah. of the people that would have. Well, cost. Donald Glover's gonna be. He was in Spider Man, and it's yeah. like alluded to that he's um, the Prowler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I knew they worked on it beforehand, and the, like as I was watching that paintball episode, like you, you can you can see the Avengers, like you can see oh my that, God, yeah. that cinematography in it for sure. Yeah, so that's I think that's really cool that like an episode of. An NBC show in season one led to some of the biggest movies of our time. Yeah, it's it's really an excellent show. I feel like I had more things to say about it, but I just I'm now just thinking about it in totality, and I can't even 
I can't even distill it all down now. It's unlike any show you're ever going to watch. It is. It is very. It definitely has its own niche. It's very different. I definitely see why it kind of has like that cult following for sure. Oh yeah, big time. Hopefully, hopefully we get a movie now that Netflix has the rights to it. Yeah, and what? Because uh, Allison Brie had that interview the other day where she she said she got a call about it like three days ago, something like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think everybody would do it. Yeah, I, I, I just, think. What, the, I think everybody would do it. I saw I saw an article that said like a possible premise could be like finding Troy. Yeah, like he got kidnapped by pirate. No spoilers. He got kidnapped by pirate. <laughs> he do- that doesn't happen in the show, but that was the premise. Um, I guess I. I mean, Chevy Chase probably wouldn't be in it, right? Because no, he's dead. You, <laughs> yeah, you probably also probably shouldn't bring him back. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it happens. Um, <laughs> all right, maybe let's maybe that's that's how we'll end our podcast going forward. We'll talk about a TV show for the last like ten minutes every time. Okay, and yeah, maybe maybe we'll talk about community multiple times. Who knows? Maybe we can. Oh, I actually there's a new there's a new thing I've wanted to do for a little bit. I think I did it last episode. Didn't no, we didn't release that last episode. Yeah, that was lost to the that was, um the terrors of whatever GarageBand is currently doing to yes, audio. That was lost. So imported. one thing I want to start doing now is uh, I want to start kind of positing a question uh, to the to the listenership to the readership every week or however often we do these podcasts. Um, until life returns to some semblance of normalcy. But uh, over on the Roar Lions Roar forum, I'm going to go on ahead and I'm going to post something. I'm just curious about people's thoughts. What position group do you think is going to be most impacted by having no spring ball? So kind of who do you think is that's either going to be this is really going to make them struggle or, you know, could it be just the quarterbacks as a whole trying to learn new things? Do you think it's going to be you know, receivers, you know, kind of building this stuff back out, you know, kind of who do you think is going to be that unit that's going to miss having this extra practice time the most? So I'll posit that my pick, I'm going to say it's going to be the receivers uh, just because it's a new offense. And and pretty much everybody outside of Bowen on the offensive staff is new. And, you know, Kirk's the quarterbacks coach, so he's going to have a lot more time with the quarterbacks to kind of get everything settled. But, you know, it's not like Stubblefield and Sriracha Sriracha have that much of a uh, Kirk Sriracha. Yeah, I know. I always do it. Have that much of a working relationship. So I'll posit that to everybody. So let me know your thoughts. Nick, what are your thoughts? I agree with the receivers, um, but I will reserve my reasoning for the forum. I'll put it there. Hey-oh. Nailed it. Sweet. All right. Well, this is a good episode. This is a good marathon. This is a good return. It was. It's good to be back. Um, so well, as always, if you'd like to support uh, the podcast, please give us a follow on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called, uh, Stitcher. Um, you know, you know where the, you know what you're listening on. Follow us on there. Um, yep. If you have the chance, please, um, especially on Spotify. Even if you don't listen to us on Spotify, go in and toss a tossing a follow there would be really helpful for us. Uh, as well as leaving a review on iTunes, toss those five stars on there, and then. Tell us about your favorite type of soup. Whatever you want in the comments is fine. What? <laughs> um, Why? Because it doesn't matter. We just need the stars. Um, right, as always, if you have any if you have any suggestions or anything for the podcast, please uh, at RLR blog on Twitter uh, or any of us or PSU Matt two thousand five, um, as well as toss any of those suggestions for this what if game that we've been playing. Um, if you want to support the website, you can go visit RoarLionsRoar.com. You can visit the store, buy some shirts. I think there may be still a sweatshirt on there. Um, depending on when football starts up, we will have we have some great ideas for our next kind of round of merchandise. But 
we're gonna try to time that up with football season. I don't know. We'll maybe we'll just time it up with the fall. I don't know. We'll find out. But look for stuff on there. Um, follow any of us on Twitter. All those other applications, Instagram. Um, actually, I guess that's kind of it. Facebook, Instagram, and the website. Um, but yeah, and Twitter and Twitter. Right, of course. Um, as always, we greatly appreciate you listening. We hope you enjoyed this kind of hodgepodge episode. Uh, Penn State's getting its four new recruits, Jalen Reed, Kobe King, Kalen King, and Zaki Wheatley. We learned that 2017 Penn State would have beaten 2017 Ohio State if Tommy Stevens had started the game, even though Trace would have taken the reins back over. We learned that 2004 Penn State would have beaten 2014 Penn State 7-3. I hate that. And that 2016 Penn State would have lost to 2016 Alabama. All great revelations. Thanks for listening along. Thanks for following with us. For myself, for Matt Filipovitz, take care, y'all. Go State. Nick, make a wish. It's 408. Oh, my God. All right. Let's delay this one more minute. No, Um, don't. We got to cut it off. No, no, no. No, we got to wait one more minute now. Um, 30 seconds. And actually, yesterday, or two days ago, was 409. It did, indeed it was. <laughs> oh man, we should have recorded this then. That would have been should've. that would have been the true magic moment. Although to be fair for me it is only 108 right now, but listen. That's just <laughs> time differences are fake. All right. Time change. This is great audio quality content. <laughs> it's terrific. I hope people are still listening. There's no way. And